The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Italian Wine Podcast, a Wine to Wine Business Forum 2021 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions highlighting the key themes and ideas from the two-day event held on October the 18th and 19th. 2021. This hybrid edition of the Business Forum was jam-packed with the most informed speakers discussing some of the hottest topics in the wine industry today. For more information, please visit winetowine.net and tune in every Thursday at 2pm Central European Time for more episodes recorded during this latest edition of Wine to Wine Business Forum. everyone um, very nice to to see you all in person again uh, my name is Osa Duanson I'm a Swedish uh, wine journalist based in uh, Tuscany uh, so I speak Italian um, with the Florentine dialect actually uh, <laughs> um, today I'm um, I write for Swedish wine magazines and for international press and I organize wine events in Sweden. I teach at the Sommelier School in Stockholm, and I also have the first podcast in Sweden about Italian wine. So today I'm going to talk about the Swedish market together with my colleague Marius from Norway. So uh, that's my name. I am a sommelier and um, a wine importer and also the founder of a wine magazine in Norway called Vino Brennvin. It's wine and spirit in English. My Italian is uh, not very good, so I'm going to do it in Norwegian instead. I'm going to do it in English. (laughs) Everyone was looking for a translator now. So um, I do wine courses and uh, I also write a little bit in the wine magazine I founded 12 years ago. Unfortunately, I don't, I do not write about wine anymore, but uh, other, other um, beverages. So um, I think we'll just uh, get starting before it ends because we don't have much time, but we will be here as long as we are allowed until they kick us out. So uh, you can ask questions uh, uh, when suitable. So um, since Sweden is uh, much bigger than Norway in population, uh, Osa will start. Uh, so uh, not not only not only for being a woman, but uh, also the bigger country. So take it away. Okay, let's start. Let's uh, take a look at the Swedish uh, market. I don't know how many of you that have been in Sweden. One, two, three. Okay, many. Great, 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 great. So you probably noticed 
that in the biggest cities, there's actually a flourishing um, wine culture right now. A lot has happened in the last years. New wine bars are starting. They're niched wine bars um, with very interesting wine lists from um, small, with, with, with a lot of um, uh, smaller producers from um, less known uh, regions. Uh, there's a great interest in wine education. Uh, both in the like WSET, but also um, the Swedish organization with the impossible name called Munchenkana. You can try that at home later to pronounce. Um, but it's um, um, an organization that offers wine education for for Swedish inhabitants, and today they account for around thirty thousand members all over the country. Um, there's also a growing interest towards uh, wine tourism. Swedes love to travel. And they, um, wine and food is one of the main reasons why you go to a certain place uh, today. So wine in, and food is, is very interesting. Um, but as you know, both Norway and uh, Sweden are highly uh, influenced by a monopoly. So we will um, take a look how the monopoly works. Then we're going to take a look at the Swedish market, what it looks like today. We're gonna. I will um, let you know how the Italian wines are doing in Sweden, and then we're gonna end with the ongoing trends uh, right now on the Swedish market. So, if we start with the first slide here, see if it works. So, the Swedish monopoly was introduced in the beginning of the 1900s, but uh, what it looks like today uh, is more or less since the since 1955 um it started because in sweden there was a lot of health concerns there was a lot of very bad drinking habits that was a threat to society so that's why the swedish monopoly once uh, started a big change was when uh, sweden entered the european union in 1995 because until then the swedish uh, monopoly that is called system bolaget had the monopoly on everything that regarded alcoholic beverages. After 1995, when Sweden entered the European Union, um, the monopoly could only keep the off-trade. That meant that we opened up to importers, so importing wine is not subject to uh, a monopoly. So how it works? So the, the monopoly has around 400 shops around the country, and in the shops, wines are sold that have won a tender. Uh, the tender are launched uh, through twice a year, uh, or the launching strategy is uh, told uh, twice a year. Then you get to know um, which wines will probably be subject to a future uh, tender. The tenders are very specific. Um, they regard uh, the wine region, the price, the grape variety, the alcoholic level, and so on. So they're very, very specific. Normally, uh, they um, uh, regard a large number of bottles, so big quantities, to quite uh, low prices. So it's uh, more easy for, as you probably know, for bigger producers uh, to, to win um, a tender. So the wines sold in the different uh, stores, they have all won um, a tender. Um, but there are also um, different segments in the monopoly today. Um, for example, uh, the temporary and exclusive listings that are launched twice a month. And they are not subject to tenders. They are um, 
decisions uh, made by the buyers, and they are launched in smaller quantities and to higher prices normally. They're not launched in all stores around the country, but normally in the biggest stores in the main cities. Uh, this is a growing segment. Uh, last year, for example, the exclusive listing grew with 80%. So there's a marked interest towards these kind of more exclusive listings um, inside the monopoly stores. Uh, then we have the direct order segment. So the monopoly has a website where the wines are listed. In the ordinary segment, there are around 2,500 products. But the importers that didn't win the tender with their wines, they can still have their wines on the website at the monopoly. The difference is if you take a look at the Swedish Monopoly's website, uh, the ordinary segment has a very good, the wines, they are described with a flavor profile. Uh, you get a lot of information. Uh, there's a little note with like if it's high acidity and how to pair the wine and, and so on. Um, while uh, the direct order segment is just the name, no picture, and the price. So it's kind of a more sterile um, imagine on, um, on the website. So the importers, if we instead take a look at the importers, it's quite easy to become an importer in Sweden. You just have to apply for a license, so it's quite easy to get, and then you can start sell wines. Uh, in Sweden. Um, no one really knows exactly how many there are, but um, around 800,000 um, importers today. Uh, this doesn't mean they all uh, work with the monopoly. The opposite, it's around 15, 20 uh, big uh, importers that has almost all the market in, uh, in Sweden. Then there's a growing segment of smaller importers that are uh, niche, Portuguese wines, ethical wines, natural wines, and so on. And the importers, they can choose to work towards the monopoly, the system Bologet, or to sell to the Horeca segment. Uh, the Horeca segment is opened. You don't have to uh, go through the monopoly at that point, so importers can sell directly to restaurants. The restaurant segment has only 10% of the sales of wine in Sweden, so it's quite a small market. But the restaurants tend to want to dif differentiate uh, their offers from what is possible to uh, buy in the store. So it could be interesting if you don't, if you're not interested as a wine producer to sell large quantities. Finding an importer that works really well with the Horeca segment could be an interesting uh, possibility. Of course, many of the importers, they work with both Systembolaget and the Horeca segment. So both on and off trade. Then we have the challengers, um, because since 2007, it uh, is possible to sell wine online through web shops directly to consumers. It was a great discussion about that because of course uh, the monopoly wasn't very happy about it and isn't very happy about it. There's many lawsuits going on between uh, between the the web stores and uh, and the monopoly for the moment. Um, sometimes or quite often it blows up in the press and then uh, we will see what happens. But it is possible uh, since 2007. It's a very small segment still. It has between 0.5 and 1 percent of the Swedish market, so close to nothing. But it is a growing segment. So in the future, uh, they think that this will be will be um, um, have a bigger part of the Swedish Swedish market. 
Um, one of the rules, if you want to sell wines online through web shops, is that um, your storage can't be inside Sweden. It has to be outside the Swedish borders. So what most of the web shops do is that they have the storage in uh, Denmark and then they sell um, to to Sweden. I just named uh, a few here. One of the biggest is Wine Finder and X Wine and the Wine Company, but um, there are also um, others. So this is how the, uh, just a short brief, because this is like a speed dating today, so we will move on uh, quite fast. But this is how it works. So for bigger producers, um, winning a tender could be great or is great. For smaller producers, there are other channels, especially if you, the most important thing is to choose the right importer that has good contacts with the right restaurants and also with journalists and even more so influencers on social media that has a great impact on on sales in uh, in Sweden more and more for every year. So what does the Swedish market look like today? 70% of uh, alcohol that means all the um, all the alcoholic beverages that has more than 3.5% of alcohol has to be sold through the monopoly stores in a restaurant. It's not possible to take a bottle from uh, a restaurant and bring it home. It has to be consumed uh, on spot. But 70% of alcohol um, is sold through the system Bolaget, 10% through restaurants. Travel is 10% and internet, as we said, is 0.5, closer to 1% today, but very, very small. During the pandemic, the monopoly grew with 11%, while travel, of course, went down with not as much as you would think, but with 35%, uh, sorry, 60%, and a restaurant went down with 35%, even though Sweden never closed, as you probably know, um, the society stayed open throughout the whole pandem pandemic. Wine is the most popular alcoholic beverage today. Uh, it used to be beer, but it has changed, so that has also been um, a big cultural change in Sweden. 45% of um, the alcoholic consumption is wine, strong beers 33% and spirits it's 19. Consumption is a little bit lower than in the rest of Europe, 8.5 liters pure alcohol per person in 2020. And uh, as you can see, consumption decreased in the last 10 years. It is decreasing um, every year, but it's still higher than it was in the 90s. So this is what it looks like today. If we instead take a look at the Italian wines, Italy is doing really well in Sweden. At the Monopoly, uh, Italian wine has 25% of the market today. So it's the leading country uh, in, uh, in Sweden. Italian red wine has 40% of the market. It is mostly wines from Veneto, Puglia. Piedmont is a growing segment as Sicily is uh, also a growing region. Instead, when uh, we take a look at the white wine, um, Swedes are quite traditional when it comes to white wine in a way. Um, I think there's a great potential here for Italian white wine production because they're not as known as the red wines. And I think most Swedes, that's my impression, my personal impression is that Swedes think about uh, Italian whites like simple, not able to age, not very complex. So I think there's a, a, a lot of work to do there when it comes to Italian whites. Um, and it's South Africa that is the leading country with 17.5% and France 
second with 15.8. Um, it's also interesting because I took a look at uh, the restaurant, the Horika segment, and uh, the star wine list made um, a research uh, which countries sold best um, in uh, Swedish restaurants. And France has 65% of the restaurant segment, while Italy has only 15. So there's a range there to work on for, for sure. In 2020, it was Austria, Portugal and France that had the biggest uh, growth. Swedes are not loyal. Sweden is not a wine producing country. So it's curious wine lovers or wine drinkers. They're not loyal to any tradition um, or any country. So it's a very, it's a market that uh, can move very quickly. We have seen that in uh, five years ago, everyone drank Amarone. I've very often met people that said, I only drink Amarone. And now everyone drinks Nebbiolo. So Sweden is, it's not like in Italy when, where everyone has an opinion. In Sweden, <laughs> Swedes tend to think uh, the same thing. So this is what it looks like today. So which are the ongoing trends? Sweden follow the global trends, quite similar. Um, sustainable and ethical wines is a growing segment. Last year, uh, organic wines grew with 16.2%. And what I heard, uh, it's not official yet, but what I heard is that um, there will be a particular uh, spot or place in the Monopoly stores for wines with an ethical um, certification like Equalitas or um, Sustain in Sicily or, or similar uh, in the upcoming future. The sustainable and ethical wines are, uh, people are willing to pay a little bit more. Of course, they're willing to pay more for these wines. They're especially um, popular among the young crowd the urban uh, used uh, the wine drinkers, mature wine drinkers, even though they're very, very young, they look out for uh, the sustainable and, and ethical wines. And it's surely a growing uh, market. Um, what we also see is that there's a um, uh, big interest towards authenticity and premiumization. Um, in 2006, uh, so yeah, more or less 15 years ago, um, wines that cost more than 10 euros uh, at the Monopoly uh, had only 9% of the market, uh, while today they have 30% of the market. And the premium station is uh, growing, even though still the main 60% uh, of the sales regard wines that range between 7 and 9 euros uh, a bottle. Um, but the premium segment is a growing market and there's a bigger interest towards these kinds of wine. And we see that through the launch twice a month uh, with the exclusive temporary segment on the, at, in the Monopoly stores. And then low alcohol content, low no alcohol beverages are increasing, especially, um, again, uh, the young consumers are interested, the health concerned, they want to... Uh, diversify themselves from their older, um, more heavy wine drinking habits, maybe from their parents um, and so on. So this is also 
uh, increasing. And then when it comes to packaging, as I said before, Sweden is not a wine producing country, so they don't really care if it's a natural cork or a traditional bottle. They're very open-minded. Uh, the first bag in box was sold in 1996 in Sweden, so quite some time ago. And today the bag in box um, stands for 60% of the packaging at the, in the Monopoly stores. Um, there's also cans, uh, plastic bottles, and yeah, all possible um, types of packaging, and they all seem to work quite fun, uh, fine. The Monopoly uh, system Bolaget, they had, uh, they set a goal that they will uh, decrease uh, the CO2 coming from packaging with 10% within 2023. So within uh, yeah, next year. And this was a, um, a goal that they set up in 2019, and it will probably go on. So these are the ongoing trends right right now, and um, I think we're going to see a quite interesting development in Sweden due to this in the upcoming years. So I leave the word to Marius that comes from the little country of Norway. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. We are also looking forward to the development in Sweden uh, because uh, we buy a lot of the, the wine in Sweden, uh, the consumers. So when the crisis we have now with the COVID-19, uh, there was there were big problems at the border on the Swedish side because no Norwegians were coming. Uh, and the increase at the monopoly was uh, almost 40%. So a little bit uh, different different from uh, Sweden. I'll get into that. Uh, let's um, start. We are only about five and a half million people. Uh, it's, a, it's a big country, uh, but... Uh, very, very few people. 700,000 lives in the capital of Oslo. Um, red wine, white wine, three to one. It's uh, a lot about minerals, acidity, low alcohol, fruitiness, um, uh, dry wines, no sugar. Um, uh, yeah. I, uh, I also took a little sentence about Sweden. But, uh, <laughs> it is a different uh, palette in Sweden than in Norway. Uh, Two-thirds of the wine comes from Europe, so uh, definitely mostly of the import comes from European wine-producing countries. And it stands for three-fourths of the value. Uh, and, uh, more than, and red wine is more than 50%. <clears throat> there are... Uh, a bit more than 330 Monopoly shops, which is quite interesting. So it's a big customer to be at the Monopoly. It's um, uh, except for uh, Sweden, it's the biggest uh, wine customer you can have in the world. We have a uh, very good track of our importers, uh, which is 560, mostly small. Uh, it's about uh, 50, yeah, same as in Sweden, 15 to 20 big and uh, some in between. Uh, at uh, our web shop, we have uh, 26,000 products available. That's and much more. That's more than yeah. us. We only have 10,000 yes. available. 
I'll get back to that also. Uh, 2000 in the, in, the, in the shops is the same as in Sweden. A big increase in alcohol-free products, actually. And sparkling wines uh, are uh, trending. Uh, also, the environmental packaging, organic, sustainable, like uh, Osa told about in Sweden, is also the, the same trends in Norway. There are uh, a few uh, good-selling grapes from Italy, like Barbera, Montepulciano, Sangiovese, um, but Piemont and Veneto is the biggest ones, as uh, they stand for most of the Italian wines. Uh, prices? Average uh, uh, price is about two and a half, two point five um, euros exceller. That's the import price, which will be fifteen euros in the shop. That's uh, that's because of the taxes, taxes and uh, VAT, etc. The monopoly has um, a percentage. Um, the profit is. Um, about uh, 13 to 16 percent, um, no matter what kind of brand and no matter what kind of wine. So uh, alcohol tax um, for a wine, like a red wine, 13 percent will be more than five euros in taxes. This, this is the alcohol tax and the VAT will be on the, on the final price after the profit to the monopoly and after our profit. Um, <clears throat> so, to get into what's really interesting, um, the figures uh, you can get by emailing me, So, but uh, to learn how to get into the monopoly and how it works, that uh, is a little bit more complicated. The Norwegian monopoly uh, works uh, almost like in Sweden, but a few differences. Uh, we have um, we have the shops, and the monopoly cannot import, so everything they have must be bought from the importers. Uh, we um, uh, they have a web shop, uh, and they are the only one allowed to have a web shop and sell to consumers. Um, so that's different from Swedish market, actually. They don't hold any stock, so the importers need to hold all the stock. This means uh, every time we release a new wine, we need to have the stock in our own warehouse. Um, and this is sold by most of the importers having a distribution partner. Uh, one of the big ones, to make sure they have uh, distribution to all the monopoly shops uh, within a certain limit of time. If they fail with the distribution, the monopoly can kick you out. Um, so, um, there is two markets in Norway, like in Sweden. You have... Um, the wine monopoly, and you have the Horeca market. You can you can um, be on both of them with, with the same products, no problem. Uh, the the restaurants buy from the importers, uh, and um, the consumers buy from the wine monopoly. Go into a little bit details about how how to work 
to get into the monopoly. So you have you have the importer, you have the tenders at the monopoly, uh, you have the consumers and the horeca. Uh, for uh, for most of the importers in Norway, it's necessarily necessary to work with a monopoly. Uh, very few importers work only with Horeca. Uh, so to get in uh, to the monopoly, you have the tenders, uh, but it's difficult the, to to win. It, uh, you are you have to wait until the tender has the right specifications for your wine. You cannot do the other other way around, uh, with a few exceptions. So um, if you don't have a tender. Uh, it's uh, you just have to wait, uh, but it's it is one um, possibility, uh, and that is the wine fairs that we arrange, the importers arrange together with the monopoly every year. It's about 100 wine fairs all across the country, uh, local fairs uh, with only the local wine shops. Uh, this is unique because they don't do this in Sweden, only in Norway. Um, and th this makes it possible for us to launch products, bring them to the fairs, and, uh, and invite the Monopoly staff to have a tasting. The Monopoly, uh, the local Monopoly shop can choose up to 20% of the sortiment in the shop for these... Uh, um, local listings. So if you bring your wine uh, register, registered in the monopoly only for the order sortiment and the web shop, you can show it to the staff in the local shop and if they like it, they can decide to bring it in to this one shop. If you do this 100 times, <laughs> you, can get <laughs> you can get a lot of local listings. And this is the clue how to do without winning a tender. So um, uh, so it's not impossible with a wine monopoly. It's, uh, uh, it's about uh, waiting or, or moving. If you want to move your product into the monopoly, you have the wine fairs. If you want to wait, you have to wait until the specifications is correct and try to win. Uh, the specifications for the tenders are given right away. So when they release the tender list, every detail is there. If you fail one of the details, you're out. So you cannot deliver 2018 if they ask for 2019. If your wine is 14% and they ask for 13.5, they're not going to accept you. Um, and um, so it's necessary to be 100% within uh, the specifications to, to be a part of it. <clears throat> so um, the, the monopoly has very strict rules. You have to uh, be within those rules. You have to deliver the specifications or uh, it's not going to, to work. Uh, the, the good thing about the monopoly is that uh, it's a huge uh, customer. So being a part of it has every benefit. Uh, not being there 
um, you're not in the market at all, you know. So, um, and they have uh, good knowledge. They are like our ambassadors in the shop. The staff has uh, good good knowledge about wine. Many of them uh, take wine education uh, more and more, and uh, are uh, ambassadors for the consumers that comes into the shop and ask questions, uh, ask for guidance, ask for a uh, match for, um, for the food they are having in the weekend. Uh, so it, it is the most important, uh, the most important uh, customer you can have without no doubt. The Horeca market is important. But the Horeca market is more uh, about marketing the wines uh, for the consumers to buy at the Monopoly. So doing business at the, at the Horeca market, uh, you really need to sell a couple of thousand products or, uh, of each brand you have, each wine, which is um, not easy. Uh, if you have... Uh, 100 wines, and you have to sell 2,000 uh, 2, items of every wine. Uh, it's only the, yeah, it's almost impossible. It's only 5.5 million people in Norway, and you have, and that is uh, important to remember. It's a, uh, it's it is a small market, but with the monopoly as a big advantage. Um, so price. Uh, if you have been approaching the Norwegian market, you know that there is a lot of uh, talk about price and always the cheapest uh, uh, products, always big volumes. This is not true. Um, the Monopoly, they ask for everything. They ask for expensive wines, they ask for cheap wines, they ask for small uh, sub-regions, uh, commercial wines, everything just a matter of time uh, and uh, uh, they they are not adapting to the producers the, the, they ask for certain wines and we have to go and find the right producers so as a wine importer you, you need to do the research and find and we find you you cannot find us and that that is the market in Norway um, this makes it difficult to approach uh, the Norwegian market um, because uh, the chance of you having a wine right now um, with the right requirements is very slim. So, uh, so we we need to find you, you know, um, which is very different from all of other markets, obviously. Um, and the tenders um, has a bad reputation. All the, the the producers doesn't like the tenders because it's a lottery um, and uh, no flexibility. It is true; it's no flexibility, but it's not a lottery. Uh, it's de definitely uh, possible to win tenders. It's just um, to understand how to do it. 
and uh, we as importers, um, some of us at least, uh, know how to do it. Uh, and um, it's about many factors like uh, price, uh, volume, it's, uh, of course the, the wine itself, the quality, um, and, um, uh, and doing the research in the market, in the Norwegian market, about um, uh, how, many, uh, how much you have to sell to keep the basic listing after the initial 12 months. I don't know if you know about uh, the monopoly market, but if you win a tender, you have 12 months to prove yourself. Uh, and if you don't sell enough, you're out. If you sell enough, you're in. It's simple as that. And, uh, and uh, uh, we, as importer, can tell you exactly how much you need to sell. It's not difficult. Everything is in the sales statistics at the wine, wine monopoly. So the, the, the web shop and the wine portal has all you need to know exactly how much every single wine sells in Norway. It's nowhere in the world except Sweden uh, with this kind of knowledge about the markets. We can go in and look for specific brands or a specific type of wines and we get all the sales statistics we need to, to know exactly what to look for to bring in for the tenders or for the, for the wine fairs, uh, local uh, wine fairs, uh, the back door into the monopoly. Um, this is how to succeed with the tenders. And, uh, and it's almost uh, the only way to do it. I could go in deep details, but it's uh, too complex. Um, but understanding the Norwegian system is essential to avoid misunderstandings and frustration among the producers. And th this, is, this is the case. It's a lot of frustration uh, uh, from new producers um, and uh, misunderstandings uh, because it, it takes some time to understand how things work. But that's why the importers are there. You don't necessarily need to understand everything. We are, we are the one to help you um, into the market. So trust, uh, trusting in the importers is important. Finding the right importer is important. And uh, having a common strategy is uh, more important than understanding the system. You have to adapt to the market, listen to the importers, even though it uh, may hurt, you know, <laughs> to, uh, to adapt too much. It's, it's uh, to be or not to be. Um, the market is like it is, and uh, if you don't adapt, you won't get in. I, I write here, what works in Italy or Australia doesn't necessarily work in Norway. It's a different kind of market. That's why we are here explaining it, of course, and uh, uh, telling you to don't give up. Um, uh, trust in the importers and uh, let us help you to get into the market because it's not um, it's it's not impossible just take some time uh, because we have to find you and not the other way around um, so and also 
and uh, another important element is the written agreement, uh, which has been more common the last uh, years and uh, very important. There is a there is a lot of um, there is a lot of changes going on all the time. You change the importer, the importer changes producers, um, and uh, it it gives a bad name to the importers and the Norwegian market. And to avoid this, the written agreements is of great import importance. It's it's more predictable for you as producer producers and also for the importers. So. Um, um, I just uh, needed to skip some facts. I hope that's okay. Uh, uh, I think uh, we can um, spend the last five minutes for questions and um, just uh, fire away with all the questions you will, we want. There's no problem. We uh, will try to answer. Yeah, I have a question regarding to like advertising of alcohol. So I'm a Facebook advertiser. I know like Sweden as well as Norway you're not allowed to advertise on social media. So how about like other advertising? If a producer want to increase their brand awareness, what do they need to do? Thank you. You cannot advertise uh, for alcohol in Norway, uh, except for uh, the Horeca channel, okay. um, like magazines only distributed to Horeca. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, no. You, you, you have to try to get the journalists to write about it, give, giving them samples, but just be M careful. Many samples. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they love samples. <laughs> I've been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you. In Sweden, it's uh, very common right now. Um, it started with during the pandemic, but they do online tastings. Uh, the wine importers, uh, sponsor um, wine journals or wine journalists and they have online tastings on Facebook, on Instagram and so on and it's a uh, growing interest and it seems to, to be working. Um, there's a lot on social media though through uh, influencers, uh, wine people, um, journalists and so on. In Sweden you can uh, do um, commercial, but it has designs like on cigarettes um, um, underneath. But it's you can have it in magazines also for the wine sold in the Monopoly. But it has to have this text underneath, as you I see. Can, on... I can just add that uh, the effect from uh, journalist writing uh, or um, influencers is is very low in Norway. It's only a few. Uh, journalists with an effect on sales. Uh, so it's it must be a part of your total strategy, long-term strategy, to, to build up, you know, knowledge. But it takes time and it costs a lot of money. The, be, the, be, best, uh, the best marketing you do is getting your uh, brand in the shops. Because even though you're small, you get uh, your brand side by side with all the others. So you you have a small producer from Barolo go stand side by side with Fontana Freda, you know, and then that's that's unique. It's like the small and the big side by side in the shop. Okay, so thank you for listening. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cheat cheat.